All right, folks, welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Van Tatenhove. It is Monday, December 12th, and uh, today we have a continuation of the series that we had started, oh, at the beginning of the month, last month, sometime, um, the Future Of series, and, and in this we are um, talking about the future of the S Park School District, which we've been covering the school board uh, decision on an application for a charter school. Uh, the second part of that was uh, the future of first responders here in Estes Park. And today we're going to continue that particular uh, leg of the series. Um, later on this week or next week, um, we're going to be talking about the future of journalism in Estes Park, Colorado. Um, of course, there uh, that's something that I've I've talked on often, both here at the Colorado Switchblade and um, in some of the interviews I do um, throughout the region and the nation. Um, but it's something that's dear to my heart, and um, so I thought it would be interesting since I have all of these these kind of high level journalists coming from all over the world to interview me. I thought I would start kind of turning the tables on them and making sure that they allow me to interview them. So um, I have an interview next week lined up. It's already done. I've already got it recorded um, where I'll be talking with one of the top um, journalists out of Norway. And so uh, kind of get his take on on what local journalism is like there. He's an embedded reporter here or the, the, the United States correspondent, one of them, um, for the top newspaper in Norway. And uh, kind of what his, cause, and he's been living here in Texas for the last year or so and um, been able to be exposed to what local journalism looked like here in the United States. So I thought it would be interesting to uh, get his take on things. So I'll, um, next next installment should be that interview. Um, but today we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. And we have a interview with the guy who is now the chief of the Estes Park Police Department, David Hayes. And I'll have to I'll have to apologize to you now. The first part of it, like the first two minutes, um, there was a uh, my batteries died on my little handheld recorder. And I had been so busy running out the door to this with everything else I was doing. I usually always check that. Luckily enough, I had a backup with my phone. We lost that first two minutes, but he's just talking about kind of his childhood um, coming and visiting the Estes Park. But this is just a great interview. Um, I think it really helps us understand who uh, who Chief Hayes is as a member of our community, just as a human being, really. Um, and, um, you know, he has... Uh, he was selected as the police chief following a nationwide recruitment process. Um, and uh, we had a meet and greet that I covered with five finalists, talked to him there. Um, and a, a series of uh, interviews by panels representing the community stakeholders, police department staff, trustees, and town executives. Um, Hayes is honored to have been selected as the new police chief. And um, he plans on working diligently with town staff and, and our community to make the, the department better focused on continuous improvement. Um, you know, this is a guy who's literally been tried by fire. Um, he was the, uh, the chief of police in Louisville, um, 
he uh, he started back in 2014. He's also served uh, more than 30 years with the Boulder Police Department. And um, yeah, he's had to deal with, you know, fires, riots, floods, including the 2021 Marshall Fire, which just had devastating impacts on that community. And, um, you know, I figured it'd be a great chance to to kind of hear what he's all about in his own words. He's also, just real quick, he, he um, won the Boulder County District Attorney's 2021 Award for Service to Victims of Domestic Violence. And, uh, yeah, so, again, I think I think the town did a really good job with their selection there. We'll see. I mean, obviously... Um, you know, we're in the honeymoon period. We'll see how things play out. But I, I got a good feeling about Chief Hayes. So um, we're going to just jump into that interview. Before we do that, I want to take time to thank our uh, community sponsors, the um, Historic Park Theater and the Real Mountain Theater here in Estes Park, Colorado. Um, the big upcoming show I'm really looking forward to this week is going to be the release of Avatar 2. And uh, man, the the reviews have just been out of this world. Uh, I mean, I know that's that's a bad pun, but yeah, they they have been really though. They say it's better than the first, and the first just broke all kinds of records. So I'm gonna be getting to go to a sneak peek of that on Thursday. I'll let you know about it more on the next episode. What I thought about it, and uh, kind of go from there. All right, folks, we're just gonna jump into this interview again. It's gonna kind of jump in kind of uh, mid-thought process where he was explaining kind of his history as coming to Estes Park as as a young a, a child and um, just what led him here. So I apologize about the technical mishap. These things ha- do happen. Um, you know, one of the things I try to do on this podcast, I don't do a lot of editing and making things perfect because we're human beings, you know, the world's not perfect. So, you know, I, I definitely screwed up on that one and I take responsibility, but, um, again, this is in continuation. If you missed last week's episode, we, um, had an interview with fire chief David Wolf, um, as the first part of our future of SS parks, first responders jumping right into this interview. We just started off with asking what brought him to SS park, what initially, planted that seed for him to want to be here. As a young boy, had an opportunity to go what was go to what was Camp St. Malo, which is up in, in the Allens Park area. And part of the highlight of going to Camp St. Malo was not only was it a summer camp where you could do all kinds of summer camp things, but if you stayed over the weekend or stayed a Saturday night anyway, you got the opportunity to come to Estes Park. Mm-hmm. So we would typically um, have an early dinner and then go to the go-kart track. Um, not the new go-kart track, but the one out uh, as you leave town, out by the Olympus Hotel. Olympus, yeah. Yep. And uh, and then we got to spend an hour or two, I think, in, in downtown. So kind of furthered the, the idea of how what a wonderful place Estes Park was. So spent a n- number of summers uh, doing that. And, and then uh, once I got out of high school and kind of aged out, if you will, have been able to work at Camp St. Malo and... And then once I graduated from high school, I became a police cadet at a couple of different uh, police departments. Now, did you do the the community safety officer program? I did not. I did not. Um, Certainly familiar with that. And there was probably an occasion in in my past where I may have crossed the street and learned what those officers do, (laughs) uh, saying get back, you know. And they they were all very nice, but it was a 
those gentle reminders. So I kind of remember some of those and um, served as a police cadet, went to school. And then um, at the age of 20, um, I had the opportunity to go to the Louisville Police Department as an officer, which um, I don't know, technically I was supposed to be an officer at 20 because um, I couldn't buy ammunition and I couldn't even even go to a bar. Uh, yeah, you couldn't than, have a beer. Other than working. Um, and back then you didn't have to go to the academy right away. You had uh, okay. a year to go to the academy. So stayed in Louisville, which was very, very small compared to what it is now, and stayed about a year and then had an opportunity to go to the Boulder Police Department um, and uh, was uh, had a great opportunity there. And, and not only not only to do a lot of different policing, but work in a community that had lots of high expectations, but had also lots of opinions about what, what you should do as a police officer and how those things go. And um, had a great um, coach and a mentor there who was one of our uh, supervisors at the time. And um, he, uh, his, his name is Bill Spots, by the way, and, and uh, Bill eventually uh, died a few years ago, but his, um, his uh, widow or former wife now lives in Estes Park. So another okay. connection back to Estes Park. Uh, had a wonderful career um, in, in, um, in Boulder. Uh, have a couple of kids, uh, age 30 and 32. They also uh, continued the tradition. We brought them to Estes Park as, as often as we could. Spent many a weekend at the YMCA because it was, it was really a treat for them because they had, sometimes we'd rent a couple cabins and they'd come back to eat, but then they'd bring a, a girlfriend with them and they would, you know, kind of be on their own, if you will, kind of gave them some responsibility. And as you know, the YMCA is a wonderful place where you didn't, don't have to worry about safety, right? There's really no place to go. Right. So between the uh, the roller skating and the arts and crafts room and candle shop, and I'm trying to remember what else we, we did there. So um, to this day, they also still enjoy bringing their now spouse and um, their families to Destice Park. So did, did just about everything in the, in the Boulder Police Department that you could do. I don't think I ever did much never worked narcotics or anything like that. Just didn't really have the opportunity, I guess, or the, the interest. Um, and then uh, while, I was, while I was at the Boulder Police Department, is, um, I, I, people have reminded me that I've always said that if I could be the police chief in my, where I lived then, which was in Louisville or in Estes Park, that would be great. And in 20, 2013 or 2014, the police chief job opened up in Estes, or in uh, Louisville, sorry and uh, applied and so got to be the police chief in my hometown and uh, was there for about uh, eight and a half years and um, and then now this opportunity so the second place where I wanted to also be the police chief opened up and, and now here I am um, so had a great opportunity in Louisville it was a, a great organization but I, I suppose a little bit behind the times in terms of, of contemporary policing and um, in what way? I, I think pretty, pretty traditional and, and pretty, um, probably give you some examples. Um, not, not a lot of report writing or documentation. And okay. I would ask on occasion, so if somebody asked me about a call yesterday and I get a call, how would I know what happened? Well, you'd ask me, is what one of the officers or sergeants would say. And I'd say, well, okay, so then you've written a report. And they would say, well, no, no, it's here in my notebook. So one of the first things we did is we established what's called an end of shift summary. 
So it's, it's a piece of history right. uh, in Louisville, what happened during my shift. It's a chance to talk about your employees, the good job that they did, and kind of the, the nuances of the call. So it, really a historical document. And was that open to the public? Um, we we got a re open records request, yes, okay. but it was really more beneficial for the, the department staff and the, the manager's office and others that we shared it with is what happened and is there some political things that we need to be concerned about? Is there a, was there a problem with the jail? Was there a problem at the mental health facility? What what kind of what comes next? Kind of a, just a record of the temperature of what was happening. In that Absolutely. Day. You know, in the old days of policing, there wasn't so much of a, of a of police reports, it was a log, a handwritten log that they would write, you know, kind of what happened. And so it was kind of a little bit of a takeoff from that. We called it our end of shift summary and, and we, we, we started it and, I, and not everybody got it at once because the initial ones came out with the date and the case number, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, well, no, no, tell me, tell me, what, tell me what happened. I mean, right. that's the more important thing. But by the time I left, it was one that I could share with the with the, the city manager, or I could, I could cut and paste something to the DA's office or to the Centennial Peaks Hospital or wh wherever it was going to go saying, Here, here's, here's kind of a summary, here's our perspective, can we talk about this kind of thing? So what it did, it, it, it saved from having to go back and read every police report, because I don't need to look at every police report. You know, most things are pretty, um, if we can get a summary, that's good. It, it also identified crime trends for us. You know, what, what kind of what's next? Um, so we, we established things like that. They didn't have a mission and value system in the organization. How, how are we going to operate, right? What is it we're going to do in the community? And we really came up with, we have a, you know, an official mission and values and everything and what our essence is. But ultimately what it came down to was we are going to investigate beyond the obvious because that's another thing that we were doing a very good job of. It was pretty perfunctory kind of, okay, I'll take a report kind of thing. Right. We're going to investigate beyond, beyond the obvious. Um, we are going to make things better than we found them. And then last but not least, and that, that we, we don't care about somebody's uh, immigration status or their race or their ethnicity or their sexual preference or anything. We provide services to all, period. And... And what that means to me is, and I think should mean to policing is constitutional policing that we protect the rights of everyone. And that's victims, witnesses, um, suspects. Uh, that, that, that's our role. Um, that's what society has given us that responsibility. Um, so we, we, we adopted that. We uh, have a, a pretty liberal um, outside assist policy that we help each other and clearly we saw the benefits from that in the Marshall Fire which I'll, I'll get to uh, here in a second. We also did a lot of work with our uh, mental health facility Centennial Peaks. A lot of folks come there. They're kind of two in Colorado or in the metro area so we would see patients coming from all over the state and then we'd get kind of the fallout from that. Maybe an so in internal assault or go ahead. Sorry. For, for those who don't know, what is Centennial Peaks? It's including mental, myself, oh, I don't know. It's a mental health facility. There's okay. two. It's part of a bigger system. There's one in the Springs, I think, in Centennial Peaks in Louisville. And they're inpatient. As you know, there's not a lot of inpatient hospitals anymore. And so it's really for the, 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 the most, um, the, the people that need hospitalization, although they do some, some outpatient kind of work. And so as a result of 
them being in Louisville, we would get a lot of calls for service there, 600 and something mm -hmm. a year. And typically it involved a patient-on-patient -patient assault or a patient-on-staff assault. And as you know, those are, those are situations that you have to work through. They're all a little bit different. So one of the first things we did is we established a policy that said, if you get an assault here, you need to involve the police supervisor, you need to involve the nursing supervisor, and you need to involve somebody from the DA's office. What's best for the situation? What's the safety plan? What's best for the patient? And and it was a collaborative discussion about how things work, and and it, and, and and it took off. I mean, it, wow. it it really does work pretty well given the the number of patients they have, and and sometimes some of the, the things that they're dealing with, whether it be addiction or mental health kind of issues, it it all worked um, it, it all worked pretty well. Um, we also spent a lot of time with our school district, as you probably know, Boulder followed Denver's suit, and we don't have school resource. The school resource officer uh, program went away, and so we didn't have, when I left, we didn't have a school resource officer, but we had uh, liaisons to the schools, so we still spent time in the schools, right. and the principal was still on a first-name basis with the principals, and they could call us when they needed something, but uh, the official program went away, and, and we, made the, we made the best of it. Um, like lots of communities, we also dealt with mental health issues. The mental health issues, as you know, were affect men, women, and children. And so um, we, in, in the same time frame, in the last few years, we added a mental health clinician internal to the department. I wanted somebody that was, was right down the hall. Right. That if officers need to consult with somebody, they could do that. If we needed them to go on a call, we could do that. Kind of in the old days of policing, we just did the 72-hour holds, right? right. That, that fixed everything. Well, it, it didn't really fix much. Because what it did is it there was no after after care typically right. because the hospitals all closed and the doctors it took while a while to get back in to see the the person um, so we took a little bit different view of that we still do seventy two hour holds if need be but we consult with that in house clinician um, and we also know that the suicide rate goes up for those that are hospitalized on a seventy two hour hold you're away from your family and friends and work yeah. And then, of course, you, you get a bill at the end. None, none of that was ever free, and we just didn't realize that. So now with our mental health clinician, in which we are moving forward here in Estes Park as well, is it, it requires much more thought than that. And, and maybe it doesn't rest with law enforcement, but I will tell you there's as big a shortage of mental health clinicians as there is officers. Well, and I think that's something that, for me, and my radar of important issues in Estes Park, we, we think we're insulated <clears throat> to a certain degree, and we are insulated to a lot of the issues across the nation to some degree. But mental health, I don't think, is one of them because I think right now um, we really don't have a provider for, for people on Medicaid just based on what's been happening with Somatosone and whatnot. So I think that this is something that is going to be a, a rising issue more and more here in our community until things get figured out a little bit more. I think so, and as you know, there's also been some conversations or some rhetoric about around the country about police not doing a great job with mental health issues. And I think, for me, I, I think it's an opportunity for us to continue to help our respective communities, which is the approach we took in Louisville. You know, the after five o'clock and on the weekends, who are you going to call? Yeah, this is an opportunity for us to endear ourselves to the community to facilitate whatever that is. It takes somebody to a hospital in, in, in Longmont if that's what needed to happen in terms of a 72-hour hold 
work with our providers here, work with our, our, um, our co-responder here. We, we can be the facilitator. And at the same time, we know that we have to be careful, right? It's a privilege to be able to do that. The laws are not that clear or great in terms of police response to those kind of things, in particular use of force. So we have to be very, very careful with that. Um, and, and pretty pretty hands off. Our job is to facilitate getting somebody care the same as we would for medical treatment. And um, and, and I think it's it's an awesome responsibility that that we can take on to be able to help the community. Um, so we it's like I said something else that probably occurred in in, in uh, uh, Louisville. We also in the last besides COVID uh, and mental health. And by the way, mental health. We, in the last couple of years, had two different occasions where we had one resident and one non-resident that threatened to kill every Louisville police officer, or one, oh, wow. in one case wanted us to kill him. We didn't kill him and um, did, the, did the right thing with him and eventually even got a court order for a mental health evaluation. Um, but the other resident uh, that was just was kind of mad at the world and, uh, and we dealt with that and you you those are things that, that you just work through. Then, and, and I, I couldn't remember even a time in Boulder when we went through that. I imagine they, they, they did after I left, as the world kind of kind of got more more complicated. And then that kind of besides COVID, which taught us all also how to be resilient. Um, fortunately, I guess that's a good thing from COVID. Right? How, yeah. to, how to kind of roll with the punches. And then the, the Marshall Fire, which as you folks know, started off at, at just about any other day, except pretty windy and. <clears throat> the fire kind of starting on the western edge of Superior, unincorporated Boulder County. And um, I, I can't even imagine what that day was like for you. Um, those days, I mean, it, it really just, that was just something out of the history books. I mean, we have our fair share of natural disasters up here, but that was just unheard of. What was that like to go through that experience as, as chief of police? Well, I, I think it's uh, there's not a book written about it. There's not a, a policy manual looking at it. You, you just you, you make sure that you've got community safety. And, of course, um, we uh, did some evacuations. We have a, a similar Dennis Park. We had a Neverbridge notification system. Made a conscious decision not to evacuate the whole community for a couple of reasons. One is we were trying to outguess the fire, which was fortunately we got it right. Um, and then because there was some concern about do, do we need to evacuate the whole community? But you've also got to be concerned about too many cars and not enough road. You don't want to burn people up in their cars and move them <coughs> unnecessarily. Um, so that day was pretty chaotic. Um, of course, was on the, talking with the fire chief and the mayor and our um, town manager or city manager. We, at some point, the uh, Vegetation and stuff around the police building caught on fire. Oh wow! So we had to abandon the, the police building and actually move to the King Superstore. That was going to be because they had closed as a result of the. Fire. I remember watching video from within yeah. that. And, uh, and then it, we've got officers out, and agencies from all over, um, doing the, kind of the door-to-door notification. Um, you know, it's um, Everbridge is great if you've got a landline um, and if you've signed up. But fortunately, social media, good or bad, right? People got lots of friends and family, and kids were home, and adults were home. And, and, and fortunately, it wasn't a 3 a.m. in the morning fire because we would have had lots of loss of life. 
so we're happy to report in Louisville anyway, not a single injury, not a single loss of life. And I, I, I don't, police and fire don't get all the credit for that. Um, the community with our notification system and calling each other, we got people out um, safely. Heroic efforts on the part of our first responders. We've got lots of body cams that, that reflect that and show that. And um, let's see, and so we've got kind of got all that going on. The fire department's trying to figure out what where to go next, and, and they just couldn't, there's just parts they couldn't save or they got over overrun by fire and uh, or their equipment. They'd abandoned their equipment. And then, um, you know, by that evening, we, we kind of knew what the, the uh, extent of the damage was. And as you know, the, the total was, I think, 1,087 homes completely destroyed, and notwithstanding the, the numbers that were damaged by smoke. And, yeah. and kind of where do you go from there? Um, so we did some certainly lots of communications with uh, the media. And one of the conscious decisions that we made in, in Louisville was we are not going to let our residents be revictimized any more than they have been. So, we quickly partnered with one of our local churches, Ascent Church, and we started doing a neighborhood pass program because we had lots of looky-loos and some just wanting to see, but we were also concerned about people that shouldn't be in their neighborhoods. And right. While there was not a whole lot left, people hadn't sifted. They hadn't had a chance to, um, well, they hadn't, hadn't had a chance to say goodbye, right? And uh, so we wanted to make sure that we guarded the neighborhoods. We set up at Ascent Church, and for months, between Ascent Church staff and police staff, we did neighborhood, so I like to say we did neighborhood passes, PPE equipment because of the, the toxins in the air and in the ground. Uh, lots of churches and restaurants provided um, food. Um, we offered uh, teddy bears and we offered hugs. Uh, and I think, I'm trying to remember how many I suppose we did that for five or six months, I think, and, and, and staffed it. And, and that wasn't just for Louisville residents, that was for Louisville Superior, unincorporated Boulder County. Um, and then we put out the call to help. Um, Estes Park was one of those communities that came down time after time. Yeah, and, our resource officers came down. Yep, and the reserve the, officers. Yep, auxiliary officers came down time after time. Agencies from throughout Colorado came and helped us. And again, trying to make sure that our residents were re were not re-victimized. I can count on one hand the number of re-victimization we had. And interestingly enough, we had people still getting into the neighborhood, stealing catalytic converters from burned-out cars. Oh, of course. Uh, one burglar, which which we caught, and then a couple of other miscellaneous things. But we wanted to make sure that people weren't uh, re-victimized, and so we we couldn't have done it ourselves, and, and we had everybody come and and help us. Um, we didn't have not lost a single officer, or Louisville has not lost a single officer as a result of that. Um, and then, of course, after that, we had an officer involved shooting, which is uh, also difficult. I mean, it's difficult for everybody involved, but um, and it's, um, we, I think we took the necessary steps to make sure that our officers and the community needed what they needed to have. We uh, met with the now widow of the, the person that was shot. We met with her family and spent time with them. And um, you kind of have to look at those things of, you do the right thing and and maybe there'll be some civil action, maybe not. I think we won't hear from the DA's office about that for another few weeks, but they're still human beings and they're still 
they have a, they want to have a conversation with you and and they were very good to us and that they never asked for any details anything that we would be concerned about maybe from a, a civil action or something but they, they just we needed to help them and this in this particular case this uh, young woman uh, didn't manage the finances in the family so had no uh, no access to money no no money the baby was uh, 10 days old they had a new baby at home so no money for formula no money for diapers and like Estes Park we have a very generous community we have a what's called a Christmas fund in uh, Louisville and all of our staff are empowered to go out and and buy things that people need and we bought that woman a phone that day or rented her a phone I guess and baby formula and, and and diapers and stuff that she she needs so the community continued to rise to the occasion the department members continued to rise to the occasion and um, so it's it's uh, it was um, I wasn't sure what to expect when I got there because it was my hometown and I wasn't, right. certainly wasn't expecting all the tragedies and stuff that we went through um, two police shootings um, the, the threats the mental health issues and then the most catastrophic fire property-wise, or I guess property value-wise in Colorado's history, but but we got through it. And um, it's also, I think, part of what brought me here. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know that I would have looked at Estes Park necessarily, although we loved Estes Park, but it was, um, it, it, came at, it came at the right time uh, for me, so. So let's talk about Estes Park. Your brand is spanking new when it comes to, to policing here. What, what What is your assessment of, of where Estes Park is in the recent history and where we are now um, and, and kind of what some of the challenges you may have as police chief here. I don't know that I, I don't know if I will look at any of them as challenges. I think there are opportunities. There's sure. there's things in place that most organizations will be very je uh, very jealous of. To, to be able to run your own communication center in a city this or a town this size is kind of the hello to hello, which is an important thing to have. Um, I met with the fire chief last week. He's a great, uh, David's a, a great man. We're going to have a great working relationship. I think, I think that the opportunities that we're going to have is, is making sure that we can stay fully staffed. But the salaries are now, I think, have been raised and they're comparable, I think, to the northern Colorado anyway. Um, so the, the folks that we're looking for are people that are going to provide compassionate constitutional policing. We're not Denver or Aurora. And, and those, those folks are out there. I, I think they're, we'll know them when we see them and we get an opportunity to see many of them if they come and work in the summer with us or they serve as a code enforcement officer. It's gonna give us a first-hand view and is this a good fit for you? Um, training, we'll look at training, education, and experience when we hire people. It's not all of this or all of that. I think we're gonna have the opportunity um, with the, as case-by-case -case basis to be able to send people to the academy. Um, I, I think the again the opportunity is going to be is we've got a couple million visitors a year. Yeah. Um, how do we provide a, a safe community? How do we provide? Um, how do we keep people um, behaving reasonably and, and driving like you know? It's, you can't you can't because you're on vacation. That doesn't mean you can drive how you want to drive. The question is, what do we do about it, right? Yeah. I mean, and and, and the answer is that we we uh, we're, we're going to do the what it's going to kind of the least obtrusive thing that we can to kind of stop the behavior, right? I'm a firm believer in, in warnings, and the question might be, how many warnings do I get? 
it, it depends. We're going to we're going to let our officers have lots of discretion in that area, and but it's an educational opportunity. That's right, right. Educational opportunity. I, I think in Louisville, our municipal court uh, incoming budget or the revenues was about one tenth of one percent of the police budget. So we clearly didn't didn't manage the police department and never saw any of that money. Um, and we gave our officers a, a lot of latitude in, in, in terms of what they do. Um, I think the opportunities for us is going to be space. I think we're kind of out of room, but that's not a surprise to anybody in the police department. It would be great if, um, you know, we're, we can have a, work, a great working space to work closer with fire and the sheriff and also our, our park rangers. Um, and and I, I think they're just, they're just all opportunities. What else can we do to um, connect, continue to connect to our community? We want to be relied upon. We want to be the, the go-to, and not, not all the go-to, but the go-to. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm afraid, I'm, I, I'm a, a student at one of the schools. Where, where do I go? And, and maybe the first stop should be the police department. And that doesn't mean we can solve every problem, but we should be a great referral service. Right. I, I want us to be the one that people think of um, if, they, if they need something, or, and, and certainly if they need, if they need help. Yeah. And, and I think we've kind of, the SS Park Police Department has been that. I know that I recently helped out a, a young individual that needed just some outside um, advice um, and working, you know, after talking to the, the crisis advocates here in town and um, reached out to the police department and they helped provide some, some resources for this particular individual. So I, I think you got a good start there with where we are. No, I, I've, um, I, I think I'm a good judge of character, I'm, and um, my experiences in, in Estes Park and in the last week and during the testing process here, um, full of kind individuals that provide the kind of policing I think we should be providing. So it, it's, we can always, we should always be thinking about continuous improvement, right, as the law changes and legislature changes and those kind of things. Our job is to follow the law, but we also are going to provide compassionate constitutional policing and you really can't go wrong with that you know yeah. um, and if we and if we make a mistake we're going to be transparent about it uh, the community has a right to know that they have the right to know what we're going to do about it uh, what we did about it and what we're going to do to, to help prevent it in the future but we're not we're also not looking for perfection right um, well, we're all human beings that's right and, and I think people are okay with that I think where some police departments have maybe missed the mark is is that they they don't do that or they're they kind of go in lockdown mode, and I think that's sometimes you can't give a lot of information out, especially like an officer-involved shooting. But as we did in our most recent shooting in Louisville, is, is we did a press conference that that afternoon and, and offered what we could, and and offered our condolences to the family and the young widow and and, um, and that young child. Will you be having press conferences up here if we have events that merit such interaction? I, I think that's that's. Probably a conversation I would have with the town administrator and our PIO person. I, I think that's it, it probably dependent on yeah. what that is. Travis? Yeah, I think certainly for something that rises to that level, being sure. available and being transparent is something that's very important to us. So, okay. yeah, I would expect, God forbid, something like that <coughs> were to transpire, <coughs> excuse me, that there we would have approach it very much the same way um, that the community deserves to know. It's were their police department. They trust and provide the authority through the Board of Trustees to conduct that policing, and 
we're responsible to them for the outcomes. All right. So, um, anything, you have anything, you know, any special focuses that are kind of close to you that you, you feel like you want to work on while you're up here? Any, any passion projects? You know, I, I think we want to continue to endure ourselves to the community and make sure that we've got money in the bank, um, mm -hmm. as it were. Um, I think we, Travis and I have talked about our uh, co-responder model. We're going to find the space to, to move that, that person in the department. And, and then, uh, so that would be one, I think also. And that's talking about like bringing a mental health professional. Yes. On yes. staff and yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, is that we've already started a little bit of this from last week. I want to make sure that our folks, that we've got plenty of bench strength so that someday when the chief retires or we have people that either want the chief's job or want to venture out to, to look for a chief's job. And I'm just speaking just about police employees now mm -hmm. that we've given them the opportunity. Part of giving them the opportunity is kind of the, what's the rest, what's the outside world looking um, Kind of what does it look like? And I'll give you a, a good example. Megan is our communications manager, obviously a very capable individual, but has not done a lot a lot of outside of Estes Park. And there's a couple of organizations that we've now connected her with that she can do virtually and, and help and, and learn and help um, at the same time and kind of see what else is going up. And then, of course, brings those skills back. So I think the special project to your point is, is that making sure that people have what they need to do their job, but also allow them to have some grow in their job and maybe some stretch goals about what, what else is, I know it's not comfortable, but, but or may not be com comfortable, but try this. And mm -hmm. one of the other things we're gonna do in the department is, is we have a couple of captain positions and one's more administrative, one's more operations. Right. At some point, they're gonna, they, I've already talked to them, they're gonna be rotating. They need to learn other skills that will make them much more viable for the chief's job here eventually. And if they decide to, to, to venture out and look for another chief's job, that would really be an attribute to Estes Park and to the department to have to be able to have our folks uh, competitive in an outside process as well. Right. We occasionally lose officers to those to, to other departments, but uh, it's also great to be able to have to send somebody to a different organization. Yeah. Well, is there, that kind of answers what I wanted to have answers. Is there anything you'd like to talk to that we haven't touched on? I, I don't think so, other than just how welcoming this, this community is. And that's, that's why Estes Park is known throughout the world, right? Everybody's got a connection to Estes Park. They've been here. They've been to the park. And rarely, if it ever, do you ever hear anybody say anything Bad about the park. I mean, once in a while, I hear about a speeding ticket or something. <laughs> not, not my own and not my kids, but but it, it's never. It, it, there's just not anything negative. It's Estes Park has just tried to be a, a welcoming community, and that's that's we're going to continue that. All right. Well, thank you once again for taking time out of your first week um, and and talking with us and and letting us get to know you a little bit. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and, and anytime. I'm, Enjoyed meeting you that night at the, the meet and greet, and thanks for what you do and get, getting the, the word out there. And Thank you. All right. Do you have anything you want to add, Trent? Oh, I'll just I'll say we're thrilled to have, uh, I'm thrilled, and I know the team's thrilled to have Chief Hayes on board, and I'm very much looking forward to the coming years and what they bring for us, both in the police department and as overall. You know, we're happy to have him on the executive leadership team, too. It, 
the team that runs this organization and having someone with experience and has seen how things have operated in, in some of the most um, dynamic uh, communities in our, our state is, is a big benefit, not only for our police department, but for our, our town organization as a whole. So Yeah, and just seeing that you can function in so many, you know, specifically with the Marshall Fire. I mean, you guys were just tested and, you know, it seems like you really did a good job with it. And I think, you know, that, that testing under fire really um, points to character. Yeah, thank you. And, and that means a lot, but I, but it's, it's, um, and we, all, I think all of us were, were tested, but we, without the help that everybody provided, including the town of Estes Park, um, we, we couldn't have done it. And, and um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just something that you you, you, you won't forget. Um, but there are a lot, of, a lot of good things. I mean, the people that came together and um, and, and uh, you know, continuing to work with our with our community. So, yeah. all right. Well, thanks so much, guys. So the other person in that was Travis Mahulik, the town administrator, who was also part of that interview uh, briefly. So just wanted to mention that he was there. So that's going to do it for today. I uh, hope you got a better sense of who our police chief is now. And um, again, next week or later on this week, I'm not sure which yet, depending on my schedule, uh, we'll be starting to tackle the history of journalism in the Estes Valley. So that'll be the topic coming up. Again, I have that interview with the, uh, the journalist out of Norway, who writes for the largest newspaper in the country there. Uh, they go by VG. But um, yeah, should be an interesting conversation. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, you've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade. And as always, I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenow. Thanks for listening.